You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Now, it's summertime, and that means it's time to start getting our trail cameras ready and our trail cameras out to start capturing pictures of velvet bucks. And our friends at Exodus are kicking things off with Velvet Fest. Now, what is Velvet Fest? Long story short, Velvet Fest is the opportunity for you to win a variety of different prizes just by purchasing Exodus Trail Cameras, one of the best trail cameras on the market. Now, until July 12th, when you purchase any trail camera, you will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a variety of prizes from companies like Wicked Tree Gear, Maven Rifle Scopes, Tethered Tree Saddles, and of course, Exodus Trail Cameras. Be sure to follow Exodus on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com for more information on Velvet Fest. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald, and this is episode number 39. Now, this is also episode number three of the Local Legends series, and today, we're talking with author, public land advocate, and deer killer, and Florida native, Mr. Peter Updike. Stay tuned. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Today... It is a Monday, and I am sitting in an unfinished room. We just moved into this house that, uh, that I'm in right now, and it has been awesome. I'm working on an office that is going to be a podcast studio. It's going to be freaking sweet. I'm super pumped about it, but I'll tell you what I'm more pumped about. I'm more pumped about this conversation with Peter Updike. Now, Peter is from Florida, and if you know anything about Florida, you know that it is not exactly known for having a great hunting land great deer population really it's kind of one of those states that in my opinion and probably a lot of people's opinion is the last place i would go to try to find a good whitetail destination but peter has done it and he loves it and you'll hear it in his voice i think one thing that makes peter so um captivating to me is his passion for public land now notice i didn't say passion for killing giant bucks on public land it's just a passion for public land. And you're going to hear that in his voice. You're going to hear that in this episode. It's going to be a really good episode. I don't want to give it all away. But I do want to read something that really inspired me this week. Somebody sent this to the Southern Ground Instagram. And, uh, man, it just it just lit me up. I, I, if I'd be lying if I told you I didn't maybe cry a little bit when I got it. And you'll see why. Um, but this is why we do this is why we do what we do. This is why Southern Ground exists. It says, hey man, I'm not sure if you'll read this, but I wanted to reach out. I've been listening to your podcast recently, and it has inspired me. I live in Mississippi, and I will spare all the details, but I grew up hunting and fishing in the woods of Mississippi. I grew up around a huge public land area, but never hunted it because we had camps. I hadn't hunted in 13 years. In April, my wife and I had a miscarriage of what would have been our first child. I was lost, and I started working out in the yard, cleaning up. I really enjoyed being outside, so I kept it up. I would remember how much I loved to hunt. So I started talking with people and joined a club with a guy I work with. I'm stoked I'm going to be able to hunt, but then I found your podcast, and you lit a fire for me for public land. I'm not sure why I'm telling you all. The, I'm not sure why I'm telling you all this, but I guess thank you and keep doing what you're doing, guys. That is um, that is one of those things that um, keeps this thing going there's a lot of things that try to get in the way there's a lot of things for me that you know right now we're, we're moving into this house and I'm about to have a new baby like any minute my wife might come down here any second right now and tell me that her water broke and we're going to the hospital um, but I'm down here recording this podcast because of messages like that and so I hope you guys feel the same way man that's at the end of the day that's what I want to do and that's really what this whole episode is about it's about inspiring it's about getting other people involved and sharing knowledge and teaching. Um, Peter Updike, our guest this week, is very passionate about that, and and so am I. And so I, I want you guys to know that. I want you to know that that's why we do this. I don't do this so that I can make a whole lot of money because I don't. I do it because I enjoy it and I love it and I'm passionate about it. And I hope you guys I hope you guys see that. I hope you, hope you guys hear that. That's my heart for this thing, and, uh, and I hope you are 
enjoying it and getting a lot out of it. So before we get into this episode, I'm going to give a brief shout out to our partners at OnX. OnX Maps is the most um, versatile mapping software that I have ever seen. I use it every time I'm in the woods. I, I probably use it every time every time I wake up, like every morning. Uh, maybe this is a little bit TMI, but uh, when I'm when I'm doing my morning duties, uh, it's pretty much going to be Onyx. I don't really I don't normally flip over to Facebook or Instagram. I'm flipping over to my maps and I'm trying to figure out something that I did not know about areas that I want to hunt. And so I really appreciate Onyx. I appreciate what they do. Um, man, if you're not using it, do it. It's it's not that expensive. I think you can get one state for twenty nine dollars, and you can get uh, all fifty states for ninety nine dollars a year, and and that's worth it, man. It's so worth it. So check out Onyx Maps if you're not already. Check it out. I think you will like it. Um, the last person that we're gonna get, the last company we're gonna give a shout out to today is gonna be Tethered. If you're not using a saddle and you are a public land hunter, I want to help you. Greg Godfrey sent me a message about a year and a half ago, two years ago maybe, and he was like, hey man, you need to be in a saddle. He saw a picture of me with a kayak and a deer in the kayak and a climber in it, and he's like, it probably just made his heart hurt just a little bit. And uh, this was before Tethered even ever entered entered into the world, but um, now that same guy that inspired me so many couple years ago, he uh, he is ventured out into the saddle world as a lot of you know and started this company with some other people that are awesome just like he is that is tethered if you want to get into saddle hunting i encourage you check out tetherednation.com and see all of the endless possibilities i'm just telling you the only thing that i really need to tell you is this thing weighs like 15 ounces the tethered mantis saddle it weighs 15 ounces now think of that compared to your uh lock on tree stand it's it's big difference, and uh, it's made a huge difference for me. I love it. Check out tetherednation.com if you want to get into saddle hunting. As always, I would be more than happy to help you guys. If you have any questions about it, just hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. Instagram is at Southern Ground Hunting, all lowercase, all one word. On Facebook, it's Southern Ground Hunting. Just type that in, and you'll see it. So we're going to get into this episode with Mr. Peter Updike for Local Legends Part 3. All right, welcome to the Local Legends series number three. This is episode three of Local Legends, and today on the phone, I have got my friend, Mr. Peter Updike. Peter, how is it going down there in Florida? Greetings. Things are going great. Thank you for having me on. You know, the thing about podcasts is you listen to them, and you want so much to be part of the conversation, <laughs> you know, because you know you listen to podcasts on the computer, and it's so much better than watching the stuff that's on tv you listen to what you love and you know i love hunting and hunting all of my adult life and part of my uh youth and uh you hear guys talking about stuff that interests you you know what i mean yeah and and that, and, you, and you want so much to be part of that conversation and uh i appreciate you having me on and giving me that opportunity yeah man well you get to be a part of this conversation and uh and it's really going to revolve around you and I want to tell you this I have um, I've been looking all over the place trying to find the right person from Florida to be on the podcast now <laughs> some of some of the people listening are probably like well you had somebody from Florida it was Walter Lee well Walter Lee doesn't count um, <laughs> not not really <laughs> I'm sure it counts to somebody <laughs> yeah yeah I love Walter Walter's a good guy and uh, but we were mostly talking about bass fishing a little bit of deer hunting here and there um, but you know, I've, I've really looking into this local legend series, um, man, it's been, it's been really difficult to find somebody that I think fits the bill and, and somebody, uh, Sam Marsengill, I think that's how you say his last name. He, uh, yeah, I know he, Sam. he nominated you to be on awesome. this podcast. And so I reached out to you and, and you said yes. And, and we've gotten to talk quite, I mean, I'd say quite a bit. We played phone, phone tag a lot. Um, yeah. here, here lately, but, um, just in my, in my short conversations I've gotten to have with you, I think you fit the bill perfectly. And, uh, and I'm really excited to have you on the show today, man, just to talk about, talk about the outdoors, deer hunting, turkey hunting, fishing, whatever you want to talk about. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really good time. 
All right. Well, I'm I'm excited to talk about it. One one of my one of the issues that's close to my heart is is public land hunting. Um, I I I love hunting public land. I love being out in the wilderness. I I I, I primarily hunt deer and turkeys. And uh, I hunt deer and turkeys on public land, and I've hunted some private land too. Um, I've killed a lot of deer. I've killed a lot of deer here on private land, and I've killed some really notable bucks on public land. Um, killed turkeys north of I-4 and south of I-4. When I say south of I-4, that's typically getting into primarily Osceola's, where yeah. people want to kill an Osceola, you know. And then you come up this way. Uh, I'm in Lake County. So uh, I hunt the Ocala National Forest. I hunt a little bit of the Green Swamp and the Withlacoochee State Forest. And you start to lose those those traits that you find in Osceola's. So I'm I'm saying up this way we've got we've got Easterns. But that's what I do, man. That's cool. So something pretty neat um, is that my wife is actually from Lake County as well, and uh, she's from that Claremont area. And yeah. and I got to hunt Florida for the first time this past season. That's and awesome. uh, it, it was a it was a really good time. I went in with pretty low expectations, so I wasn't disappointed. Uh, you know, any state that's going to sell a non-resident license for like forty five dollars isn't <laughs> isn't a. I'm going to have to have to talk to the state game <laughs> fishing game about that. I started <laughs> looking man, at we it. We pay out the nose to go other places. Yes, you do. I, was, I started looking at it. And I was like, well, dang, I'm not really losing much. To, pay $45 for an out-of-state no, license. No, we'll take we'll take anybody that'll come, yeah. you know. Yeah. We'll take anyone. So, um, where'd you hunt? So, I hunted and I'm I'm not even afraid to I think everybody in the in the United States of America knows about this uh WMA if you have any interest in hunting in Florida. Um, I hunted the I hunted the Rich Loam WMA, which is um a lot of dog hunters on that on that place. And then I hunted Green Swamp which yep. is a – there's no dog hunting allowed, and it's a it's a daily quota there. Right. And, and there's people on every single corner. So, right. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was definitely eye-opening to kind of see how people hunt. I, I told this story before, but um, you've, you being a Florida, Florida native, you pro- or not native, but living in Florida right now, you probably have seen this before too, but I um, – I was driving down the road one day, my first day out. I just kind of wanted to go drive around and see see what I could find and see what kind of the area was like. And I come up on, like, several vehicles that were just hanging out, guns over their shoulder, popping natty yep. lights, and uh, had their dogs out chasing deer. And yep. they were just waiting, yep. for one to, waiting for one to run by. And uh, it yep. was a different culture, man. It was a different culture. It is a culture. different culture. And, and it's, one, it's one that there's a little bit of conflict there. Um, if, if you live here and you hunt here on a regular basis, you know what areas not to go to at what time of year. Now, if I was, if I was hunting in Rich Loam, I wanted to go down to Rich Loam and hunt. I would archery hunt that early archery season before the dog hunters got in there and I would turkey hunt it. That's probably the only time I'd ever hunt it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go down there to deer hunt during the dog season because they're running, they're running their, uh, dogs on deer. And if you happen to kill a deer, there's going to be a conflict. Yeah. And that, and that's trouble that you don't need. Yeah. And and so I, I just I, you just learn what areas to avoid. They've been doing it since the beginning of time. I mean, dog hunting is as old as the trees, man. The minute they realized a dog could chase a deer, somebody was turning them loose. So you know, I don't I don't bash on them. I I support their their activity. And I think it's historic, and I think, and it's fun. And I've killed, I killed one deer in front of, in front of dogs in my youth, but uh, it's nothing that I participate in now. But uh, again, I don't bash on them for doing it. I just stay out of their way. You know, sure. there's too many, there's too many places here where I live. I think I mentioned this to you before that there are 16 wildlife management areas right here that I can drive to from my home. The reason there are 16 is because Florida has been fragmented by development in such a way that the state says, okay, look, look, there's enough's enough. And the state of Florida has been good about doing this, that they, they, they bought up isolated patches of ground that are still in the phases of wildness, um, you know, wetlands, swamp. A lot of it is uninhabitable. 
I mean, you'd have to fill it. You'd have to fill it in with with dirt from who knows where. There's not yeah. enough dirt in the world to fill it in. So they make a management area out of it, and they put some trails, and they let people come go horseback riding. But man, they they have saved so much. And most of these management areas are ten thousand acres or greater. The uh, the national forest that we have here that I hunt is the Ocala National Forest. Now it's north of me, and it's in, it takes up part of Lake County, but it's mostly in Marion County. And then there are some other body uh, management areas that are close to it as well. But the Ocala National Forest is the one that I hunt primarily and that I love the most. Now, the southern portion of that is dominated by dog hunting. All right, so if you go there during the gun season and you put your stand up in a tree and daylight comes and you hear a pack of dogs, don't be surprised because here come the dog hunters. Yeah. Right, and they're driving, they're driving their trucks, and they're they're going to be, they're going to be hammering, trying to get in front of that deer. And if you shoot their deer, there's going to be a conflict. Okay. So, so I, let me interrupt you right there. Have you ever had a situation like that happen where, where you have had a conflict with somebody because you shot a deer that their dogs were running? I personally have not, but I know youngsters that have. Okay. And it ne- and it never ended good. Hmm. It, it never ended good, and, and and the best thing you can hope for is that the law would get involved yeah. before it got ugly, before daddy showed up, or, you know, or worse yet, his mother showed up, right? Yeah. <laughs> these people, these people. I mean, Florida doesn't have a reputation for having backwoods people, but we do have backwoods people, yeah. and, yeah. Uh, and and they they work on the farm, and they work, you know, in, in the local factory, and when they, when they come out, you know, they go to Rich Loam with their four-wheel drive trucks, and you know, Rich Loam is 50,000 acres. Yeah. And the people that live nearby think they own it. Yes, they And do. in a sense, they do. In a sense, they do. But there's another sense that, you know, others own it with them. Yes. Right? Yeah. I own it with them. Okay? So that's some of the conflict that comes. But I, I'm telling you that, that there's more pros. And, and see, we're, we're dwelling on the negative. Sure. And, and this is something that I... I try to avoid. I want to stay on the positive aspect. I hunt in the Ocala National Forest, and I hunt on uh, Jumper Creek. Now, if you want to know where these management areas are in Florida, you go to myfwc.com, and their their uh, website will come up. Click on hunting and click on brochures, and that will take you to all of the management areas that are there. So if you wanted to find a place to hunt in Florida – Say you were coming to Florida to visit with your in-laws, and you saw they lived in Claremont. You could go to Claremont, and there's a map there that would show Claremont, and it would show little dots around Claremont. Each one of those dots is a management area. Then you'd have to find out the name of that management area and go to the brochure and find out what's – because every management area has a different set of regulations. Yeah, that's one thing that I noticed when I was there. Um, I being right there, you know, in that kind of central Florida area, I was looking and there was a whole lot of different, um, there's a whole lot of different, uh, I guess, like you said, dots. And I was actually looking at my Onyx maps and kind of seeing the areas that would, that would pop up. And then I'd, I'd go to the, um, the wildlife, whatever it is, y'all's DNR website. And, and it did look, I mean, it would be paragraphs of different rules for every single yeah. place, which for was a little bit, a little bit confusing. Um, I just kind of eventually just put my finger on one. and was like, okay, I'm going to go here. And what are the rules here? And, right. And that's kind of right. how I had to do that. Yeah. You got it. You got to go on like, um, half moon, half moon has a quota permit system. So, so many people want to hunt half moon that the land can't support them. You know, the wildlife can't support them, so they've got a quota system. So in June, you have to apply. And you apply for that particular management area, and you can apply for four more. And if you don't get picked, you'll get a point. It typically takes three points. That's one point a year to get drawn for half moon. So I can guarantee myself a hunt on half moon with my rifle every three years. Now, here's the key. They also have a muzzleloader hunt, and they also have an archery hunt. Those are two other hunts on the same year. I apply for all three, and I never get drawn for more than one because I manipulate the system. Hmm. I make sure that I don't get drawn for it. 
by adding management areas that I know that I'll never get drawn for because they take five or six years to get drawn for it. So I'll get a point, and I'll save up those points. I'll manipulate the system, save up those points, and then when I see I'm ready to go to Half Moon for an archery hunt, that's when I'll apply in June. I, I already have two points saved up right. at archery hunt, so now I'm going to hit my third one, put, uh, put Half Moon as my first choice, and almost every time I'll get it. So I can hunt Half Moon every year, but with different method of take. Right. It would be it would be archery one year, muzzleloader the next, or modern gun. That's interesting. I'll get I'll get one of those three. But now I've kind of I've kind of stopped doing that. I was doing that for a lot of years. And if you have a buddy, what even makes it better is if you got a buddy that 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 will apply with you. He's allowed to take a guest. That okay. doubles your chances. You have to share the harvest. That's okay. All you want to do is kill a deer and go home, right? You want right. to go and you want to enjoy yourself and kill a deer. You don't care if your buddy kills it. If he if he kills your deer, you're going to split it. We're all going to go home. We're going to have a happy day. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what it's all about. But um, so, public land. So yeah, let, me, I'm sorry? let me ask you this on those quotas, and, and this is coming from a guy who, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking there's probably not a lot of out out of state hunters in Florida, or that come to Florida to hunt out of state. Um, for me, it, it's something for me that I wanted to do, you know, having my wife's family be there. We we're going to be there for Thanksgiving or Christmas every single year. And, right. and and I've kind of made that a goal for myself starting last year was to, was to kill a deer in Florida. Like I really, really want to do that on those, on those quota hunts. It's kind of one of those things like the grass is always greener, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you think, yeah. okay, those are quota hunts. There's probably more deer, more opportunity for deer there. Is that is that something that's the case there, or is it is it working out kind of the opposite to where there's just yeah. not as many deer, and so they can only allow so you're many hunters? You're very wise. How does that you're work? Very, you're very wise. You're you're you are you're seeing you're seeing what takes some people years to see that the state doesn't want to overwhelm like if the area is near Lakeland or Orlando they could they they could put 100 hunters on 10 acres easily right right, right. and they don't they don't want to do that but there still may be no deer there right and i you know i always felt slighted by my own my own first love my own first love was the Ocala National Forest when i grew up here in Florida and I discovered the Ocala National. My parents moved here from New York in 1970. I was 10 years old. When I turned 13, someone took me hunting. Someone took me hunting and changed my life forever. Yeah. And they took me to the Ocala National Forest. Well, the minute I got a driver's license when I was 17 years old in a pickup truck, I started going up there. I, I, I bought a bow. I bought my first bow and arrow when I was 16 years old. It was 1976. I, I bought Fred Bear arrows and Fred Bear broadheads and got them in the mail, right? <laughs> Cedar arrows and a, and a recurve bow. And I would skip school to go bow hunting up there in Ocala. And uh, I never got caught, but I probably should have. I only did that a couple <laughs> of times. But anyway, um, I would go up there, and, 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 you know, I killed a handful of deer up there. And I have to say that they were less than trophy status. They were they were probably the smallest, spindliest deer that anyone... Now, I would see these big deer in these magazines. I'd say, where do these people live? You know, not realizing that Florida probably has the smallest deer anywhere in the lower 48, okay, outside of maybe coos deer mm -hmm. somewhere in Mexico or, or in Texas. But... Uh, I, I was hunting anyway. I did. I just didn't know any better. And even as my, as an adult, hunting there on a regular basis, I never killed what someone would call. And this brings me back to my love of public land, because you ask anyone, you know, who lives near a national forest that hunts it regularly, you ask them, would you rather have a good, respectable deer from Texas, or would you rather have a good, respectable deer 20 minutes from your house? And that man's going to say, I'd rather have one 20 minutes from the house. Mm -hmm. I want someone, I want, I want my buddies to come over to my house, and I want them to look at that deer on my wall and go, dang, man, you got him in Ocala? 
and you want them to hear you want to hear them say wow i didn't think they had deer that good up there yeah because that 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 kind of does something to you yeah. that kind of that kind of makes your heart jump when somebody says that and and after and i'm 50 i'll be 59 years old and i've been on this journey that we call hunting ever since i was 15 16 years old deer hunting and I had just never got myself a good Ocala buck. My room is full of bucks. I got Withlacoochee bucks. I got Jumper Creek bucks. I've got Wahoo bucks. I've got I got great respectable deer. But that wall's empty if I don't have an Ocala buck up there. Yeah. And you know I'm I'm a I'm a spiritual guy. I love the Lord more than anything. And I tell him I said, man, I don't know why. I don't have an Ocala buck. <laughs> and, 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 and I just, you know, I just kept on trying and I kept trying and I kept trying and I finally got one. Wow. And I mean, and it happened almost by accident. Like, you know, the Lord says, you think you got something to do with this? You have nothing to do with this. I give you everything that you have. Yeah. And, but I shot him, you know, and he's at the taxidermist today. And not only, not only is he an ocala buck but he surpasses every florida deer that i have in my room right now i mean is that awesome or what I, dude I'm, i I'm, understand i'm still pinching myself and he's not that big a deer you know he's not he's not he's a he's a big he, one i'm sitting here looking at him a, he's not an illinois buck you know but no right. one's gonna ask me what did that deer score right they're gonna say where'd you kill him yep and when i say ocala they're gonna dang it man so so uh, I'm I'm sitting here looking at a picture on your Instagram of this buck and he's a great buck. He's a solid deer man and um man I think anybody I know I would be tickled to kill this deer you know I mean yeah, in, in Alabama for sure. I, you know he's yeah. a he's a great buck but here's the thing that I've said when I went and hunted there this past season uh I came back and probably the most important thing I didn't kill a deer, I didn't even see a deer. The most important thing that I did come back with, I said, I said to myself, and I think I, t- I told my friend Walter that I was talking about the, he hosts the uh, Chasing Tales Outdoors podcast, and uh, I said, you know what, man, I think any person who can consistently kill a buck on Florida public land, whether it be a spike, a six point, eight point, or ten point, whatever it is, every single year, they're some of the best deer hunters in the world. They're some of well. the best hunters, and because the, you know, it's just, it's just not. Your population's not nearly as good, and so to be able to come out of the season, did you say you're 59 years old? I'm 59, yeah. 59 years old and and be able to kill a deer on your home turf, it just, man, there's something special about that, and it's it's the experience of it that that truly is the trophy in anything, in any right. hunting scenario. I have a video that I made this past season, um, and and it was my it was my first public land buck with a bow okay wow. I've, I've killed i've killed bucks on public land with uh with my rifle but i had not killed one with my bow and and i killed this this buck and he was a little little bitty deer um you know he, he was like a i think he was a five point um just nothing super impressive but man it was like it, it's the it's what you're talking about it's the i'm still pinching myself you know, All three right. and four weeks later, like, man, I cannot believe how much fun that was. And I've killed, man, I've killed, I've killed deer, you know, I've killed lots of deer in my life. I've killed lots right. of deer with my bow in my life. But that one, just because of the experience was what I wanted it to be, I have no doubt in my mind that I would love to go out on some private farm in, in Illinois or Iowa and kill a 160 inch deer. That would sure. be a blast, but I don't. I can tell you right now that I do not think it would touch the experience of killing that little five point on public yep. land. And that's what you're talking about, man. With the, it's it's my home turf. Like it's where yep. it's my home turf. It's where I'm, you know, that same spot was where I killed my first public land deer, period. Right. And so there's just so many things about experiencing um, the hunt. They're just they're, they're treasures. That's what they are. They're treasures they that are. I can that I can hold in, in my heart. And, and I want to talk about that. Um, so you sent me this book and it's called wild treasures of an outdoorsman. 
Yes. And, man, I, I got it in the mail today, actually, and I'm super excited about reading it. And, and I, love what you, I love what you said. This is what you said. You wrote it in Sharpie. Parker, let's share the outdoors. I love it. Yep. Um, yeah. And so I want to I want to I want to talk about that for just a minute, okay. because I feel like I haven't read through a whole lot of it. I, you know, I've just kind of skimmed skimmed a couple of pages because I got it today. But what what does this book mean to you? What is it? What tell us tell our listeners kind of what it's about and and why you decided to write it? Well, I, I, I decided to write it because I felt like I had something to say. And and the thing that I really feel that society today is missing is they're missing a sense of adventure and renewal that that so many of our young people are, are lost in fantasy land and uh and and there's nothing wrong with going to seeing a movie there's nothing wrong with playing a video game i don't want anyone to hear that but what we do want to hear is it cannot take the place of of getting your hands dirty getting your hands bloody um, learning, learning what it means to start a fire out in the wilderness and to sit, sit around that thing and, and cook up something, uh, kind of like what we did when we were in Boy Scouts. Um, what, what Wild Treasures of an Outdoorsman is, it is, it is a, it is a biography, I suppose, of my personal life, um, tra- making that transition. Like I said, my parents moved here from New York when I was 10 years old, and my daddy wanted a life. And it, it was it was a it was an extreme southern town when we moved here, and uh, that was in the little town of Eustace here in Lake County, and uh, my grandparents followed, and my grandfather bought a house on Trout Lake, and there was like three houses on Trout Lake. The only thing left on that lake was nothing but gators and cypress trees, right? And I loved to fish, and my grandfather loved to fish. I loved to bass fish. I bass fish, and the place was full of big bass. By the time I was 13 years old, I had already mounted three largemouth bass that were over eight pounds and one tipping ten. Wow! So I was, you know, I was, I was kind of thrown into that element. And uh, my grandfather passed away, and it was just me and grandma. And I spent all my time on Trout Lake, living the outdoor lifestyle, and then carrying that on through my life into adulthood. That's what the book is, and and I wrote the book so people would identify. If if you read the book and you don't identify, then you don't have a pulse. Because man, I can I can tell you, everyone has an experience, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has something that's happened that they have forgotten about or that they they have missed. And I wrote it, and it's my story. But people are going to identify with it, and they're going to read it and they'll say, Yeah, I remember when this happened to me or that happened to me. And you know, planes fall out of the sky fall out of the sky horses tumbled and they're all true stories i don't make any of it up and i don't embellish them either i mean when a horse falls down a mountain i mean how dramatic is that yeah <laughs> you know when you see it happen it will stir your soul yeah and it has it has it has if you love horses and i and i worked with a farrier and uh, a horse tumbles down the mountain, and, and my niece and I stand there, and we witness it and, and, the, and the things we had to do to rescue that horse. And um, airplane falls out of the sky, and, you know, just it's just it's, – it's, we call it life, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my grandfather's mentioned in the book. And my daddy's mentioned in the book. Both are past. And uh, – there were great mentors in my life, and and my grandfather hunted. My daddy did not hunt or fish really at all, but uh, but my grandfather, you know, my grandfather took me fishing, and uh, like a lot of grandfathers, I'm a grandfather. I know what it's like to have a grandson or a granddaughter and want to pass on a legacy to them. They want they want to somehow give something to that child that you can't buy. It's not for sale. Yeah. You can't purchase this anywhere, right? This is what I want to give my grandson. Mm. It's something mm. that something that he's going to take with him after I'm gone, and that's what my grandfather did for me. And I, and you know, I don't, I don't even think anybody even noticed. I don't think I think they were all were asleep at the wheel. And uh, my grandfather took me fishing, and and I doubt very seriously he really, when he went fishing, I remember as a small boy when he moved to Florida and they had that dock on Trout Lake. I walked out on the dock, and he was rigging his pole. And I can remember to this day, he had a, a red, one of those uh, red, white, and blue corks. And underneath it, he had a hook, and on it, he had a plastic worm. <laughs> you know? He was using the plastic worm like you would a live worm. 
And I and and I, I thought, you know, Grandpa, I don't think you're gonna catch anything like that. And you know, he would cast it out there and just leave it. And he, you know, eventually I came back from the bait shop with some of that catfish bait that stunk up to high heaven. Yeah. And we found we started we finally started catching catfish on that stuff. But uh, he he really didn't know anything about fishing in fresh water. He fished in salt water on Long Island in New York. And when they retired and they moved down here with us. He brought a lot of that with him, but he took me, and he showed me the way. Mm. And going and going that way and, and leading that lead, he he introduced me into a whole life that changed my life. And there's that that legacy part, you know. That legacy part is 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 him just pointing. This is the way. Walk in it. And uh, wow. You know, that's what the book's about, man. Yeah. That's, that's my life, you know. That's that's amazing. I can I can relate with that. My my grandfather, he owned a paint store in New Mexico and uh actually it was in, in West Texas and they they ended up opening up one in New Mexico and things and, and my my dad, um a lot of people listening to this already know this story, but I was I was able to be with my dad whenever he was uh whenever he shot his first deer. Um, but it wasn't the first time he had been hunting. He had been hunting in New Mexico, chasing after mule deer with my grandfather. My grandfather would go and take clients out to public land out in New Mexico. And mostly it was just them sitting in a truck and getting drunk. That was pretty much right. what they did out there. Uh, but my dad, however, he was a teenager and he would go out there and he'd actually hunt and he'd try to figure it out and, um, and never was successful on a New Mexico mule, New Mexico mule deer, but um, it, it was something that that started a legacy. My, my you know my my grandfather could have just as easily said, "No, nah, you stay home. I'm going out with the client. We're going to go yeah. hunt." But instead, yeah. he took my dad, and um, my dad kind of had an interest in it. And then when I got older, um, when I was when or not really older, when I when I kind of was able to express an interest in it, then we really got into it. And probably that would not have happened if my grandfather would have never made the move to say, hey, why don't you come with me? And oh, wow. and so, you know, that's the, there's those little things. And uh, I talked about it in the intro of this podcast, which it was before you got on the line, but um, somebody recently, you know, they sent me a, a message and said, hey, just want to let you know our – uh, me and my wife had a, had a miscarriage and I've been really down in the dumps lately and it's been really tough. I mean, it's a super intense situation. And he says, you know, I started listening to your podcast and, and I'm really excited about hunting public land now because, uh, because your podcast inspired me. Now th- right. that's those moments that are just for me, man, you know, that's not even my legacy. That's not even my, that's not my family. It's not my blood, but but it, it could be sparking something in another family that I may never meet ever, but it is something. And, and that's kind of how I see your book. You know, it's your story. It's talking about yep. your situations. But, right. man, those things can be transferred for, from generation to generation to generation if somebody will just do it like you have with a book like this. And, wow. and, and like you have, too, with your talking about, you know, a lot of guys are not going to come on this podcast and talk about the different WMAs and where you should hunt and what where you hunt and the deer that you that you killed on here and here and here because they want to be secretive. And, and I get that. Like, that's that is yeah, normal. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But there has to be someone willing to say, no, I'll teach. I'll I, that's that's my job here is I'm going to be the I'm going to teach people. And, right. and, and and in my opinion. Um, I didn't know anything about you before Sam's recommendation. I, I, I would assume that he gave that recommendation because he saw the same thing in a world, right. in a world where there's just a lot of people that are out for themselves and want to, want to take, take, take. It's, it's nice to see people who want to give and, yeah. and give that knowledge. And, and, and while there may be some people that we interview on this local legend series that are known for killing big deer. Like that is what these some people are known for. Um, this is more, I think, what makes you fall into into this category of local legend is your willingness to teach, and so I appreciate yep. that. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's that's truly a, a, a characteristic of somebody that that is rare 
and and it's very very nice to see it. And so I want to kind of get into into your life and 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 what kind of led you on the on the path that you're on right now. And so um, I'm reading I'm reading here that you were a transplant to the south, and this is this is all in, on the back of your book. Um, right, right. But but I believe you lived out west at one point, did you not? No, I've I've been hunting out west. Okay, you yeah, hunt out west I, a lot. Yeah, I've hunted. I go out. I go elk hunting every year with my bow and arrow. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's and you know, typically hunt public land, and uh, and there's, there's a lot out there. I mean, if you ever wanted to go, you can get you can get over the counter, but not to get off not get off the subject. But I've never lived out there. Love to, but I visit out there quite a bit. Okay. Now, so you said that you started with a recurve. Are you still using a recurve? No. No, no. I I finally decided that if I wanted to kill something, I had better get an arrow <laughs> and a bow that shot straight. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with the recurve trend. I'm um, not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the crossbow, okay? I'm not unless my my shoulder gives out, but and it's not. I'm a pretty fit guy, but uh, I I hunt with a regular uh, Matthews bow and a release and arrows and broadheads, and I use everything I can to help stack the odds in my in my favor. I can still count on one hand the deer I've killed in Florida with a bow. Oh wow, that's so I mean, there, so there you go. I I can too <laughs> in Florida. It is so it is so hot. It is freaking miserable in the Florida swamp on September fifteenth. Dude, I can't I'm imagine. Uh, it's hot. It's hot it's everywhere. Hot. Like just about it's everywhere hot. on September fifteenth, yeah. and down in Florida, yeah. man. Yeah. You know, I I just posted a video today actually on my Instagram of um, when I was in Florida this past year, I locked my keys in my car. <laughs> I saw that. On a WMA. <laughs> and this was the day after Christmas. And I'm there in an Under Armour compression shirt, short sleeve, just sweating my nuts off. Yep. Man, it yep. was so hot the day after yep. Christmas. And uh, it was miserable. Like, it was, I, I, there's, a, there's a time when you're like, why would a deer even live here at all? Like I wouldn't, yeah. I would just not live here if I were a deer. They do, man. They do. I mean, you know, at, I, I'll hunt. Um, I, I killed a, I killed two deer down in the green swamp, and neither one of them are noteworthy. They, they just, you know, good legal bucks. But I spent ten years and two bucks. Wow. Not to discourage you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm super. You. I'm, in, I'm encouraged now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's super tough. I mean, you, you come down here, you hit me up. We'll go on a on a hunt, and I'll, and I'll say this this where this where you should go if you want to kill a deer eventually. So so I was when I was at Green Swamp actually the day that I locked my keys in my car, uh, I was coming out and I don't know if you if if you've been there you know they have that kind of little stand right there where you get your permits, and the, yeah. the skin and shed is right there next to it. And there was yeah. a lady, uh, an officer, a game warden that was there checking license and t- checking everybody's vehicles and stuff. And so I kind of had to slow down right there. And there was a guy that was skinning a buck that he had killed that morning. And, man, I'm telling you, it was it was a good deer. Like, it was it was every bit of 105, 110 inches. And, wow. uh, and he, was, he was skinning that buck there. And I left, and I was like, well, they're here. There you go. I just got to figure them out. And you know what's crazy to me about Florida is I heard gunshots like every five minutes. Like yeah. you'd, you'd hear a gunshot. So somewhere there's deer. And yeah, Bubba, Bubba gets a little bored. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> that may be what it is. There may be a lot of dead blackbirds out there on Green Swamp. But, but they're shooting hogs too. Right, 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 yeah. And a hog is liable to show up anytime. We got, we've got so many hogs, but the hogs, they're, they're as smart as deer. Hogs are smart. They if are. They know that if they know they're being hunted, they'll turn nocturnal right mm-hmm. away. Yeah, I, we have a. You know, I'm from Texas originally, and my dad's property's got a a mess of hogs. There's hogs all over that place, and yeah. man, I mean, people think that they're dumb, and they're just not. They're there's not. a there's a lot of them. So, you know, I mean, that doesn't mean you're not gonna see some or get a shot at some because there's just so many of them. But if All they right. have any idea that you're there, you're you're done. You're not going to get yep. a shot, especially yep. with a bow. It's hard to draw back on a group of hogs, and yep. and so, you know, that, that was actually towards the end of that trip. That was kind of my goal. Was like, okay, well, if I can't shoot a deer out here, then 
I'm just going to go somewhere where I can find a lot of hog sign. And, uh, yeah. and it, and it didn't pay off, but I think one day it will. I think it's going to be, will. One yeah. of, it's going to be a cool thing to be able to do. Something that's some, like that's that. some, that's some difficult habitat. You know, that's dome cypress. Yes. And that's where we're, we're talking about, uh, cypress trees that are small that grow in a, in a grove type atmosphere. They, they kind of, they, you, you'll have a huge palmetto flat and in the distance you'll see some trees and you go out there and there'll be an island of trees. And there'll be cypress trees. And that's the way they grow down there. And they typically don't get real big. You know, there's some cypress trees in some woods I can show you that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. And they've got trunks on them the size of Volkswagens. Yeah. And, and it's flooded timber, kind of like you might like you might see in Louisiana. Yeah. Or, or, or Arkansas, that, that type of cypress tree. But, but in the green swamp where you're hunting, they don't have that. It's, it's the smaller dome cypress dome cypress heads and those those deer are down inside those things and they've got everything they need down there they got cover they got water they got food why should i leave yeah you know and, and the does are the same way and you you can walk for miles down there in what you think is prime deer habitat and not see a track yeah and then you'll go back a month later on a bike ride and there'll be deer tracks everywhere where they where they come out of the ground you know, essentially, essentially, you know, that's where they, you know, they're down in those swamps. They're down, and that that cypress dome is full of, is full of water moccasins and rattlesnakes, and you know, it's deep water. And mm-hmm. It takes a pretty adventurous soul to venture down in there. So, you know? so let's talk about that for a minute. I kind of want to talk about tactics a little bit. You know, you've killed quite a few deer out there in Florida, and what what are some of the things that you think you can um, obviously persistence and staying at it is one thing but what are some of the tactics that you would tell a guy coming into florida um to really key in on well if he if he doesn't have a chance to to scout say he's just coming down here to visit the in-laws and wants to go hunting and he can take a drive and go up to old cala national forest i would tell him to go anywhere north of highway 40 i would tell him to go anywhere north of highway 40 and find a good straight tree and get in it because he's going to walk around in there and he's going to step on a deer track with every step. Huh. You're, going to, you're going to see deer tracks everywhere. Okay. They're going to be they're going to be alongside the road. They're going to be on the trail. They're going to be in the woods. You're going to walk in there and you're going to see scrapes here, scrapes there, and you're going to say to yourself, "Oh, this ain't going to take time, no time at all." And you're going to sit there for eight <laughs> hours and you're not going to see a single deer. I mean, figure that out, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'll see I'll see. Um, so what I'm saying is, don't waste a whole lot of time trying to figure it out. Right. Get in a decent tree where you can see, and if somebody comes strolling by you, don't sweat it, man. Don't get yeah. down. Those deer, those deer are tolerating people walking by too. Right. You know. So don't waste your time doing a whole lot of overthinking. Don't worry about other hunters. Just my advice to people that want to come and go hunt and just go and enjoy the day. And, and man, it'll come your way. Have you have you noticed anything that has been consistent on the days that you have killed a deer, or is it mostly just kind of that? Like, eh, I'm just going to sit here, and they just happen to come by. Are there? Well, any- if if it's if it's early, no, I'm I'm thinking more of location than I am tactics. The tactics are the same. You load up your tree stand, you carry it to a tree, you put it up, you get in it, you sit there. There's no glassing. There's no spot and stalk. Um, the cover's too thick. It's too hot. Your best bet is maybe one set in the morning and one set in the afternoon. Take your stand. I have pre-designated trees. I've got probably 50 different locations on my GPS. All I have to do is drive to an area that I like to hunt, turn my GPS on, and if they've cut a road with timber, they they log up there. So uh, if they've cut the timber, my GPS will still show me the area where my tree stand is if they hadn't cut it down, where my tree is. Um, I just mark trees and then I carry right. my, and then I carry my climbing stand. And, uh, now if you want to hunt in Ocala in the surrounding area and you're not comfortable with black bears, you better steer clear. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if I, I would not advise going up there an hour before daylight and walking through the woods in the dark because you will encounter a 350 pound Bruin. That wants nothing more than to eat your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. If that bothers you, then 
you're in for a real treat. It bothers me. I, 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 I'm an adult. I'm not a child. I can say this now without being embarrassed. I don't walk through those woods in the dark. Huh. Period. Period. And I don't ask anybody else to do it. And most of my buddies, when, when we go hunting and we're going to hunt till dark, we're not that far from the truck. Right. Because it just makes good sense. And we and 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 you and you dare not shoot a deer, you know, two two minutes before legal shooting lights up, because you know it takes far more than two minutes to get down and blood trail a deer if it right. runs off. It's too risky, right? Yeah. And you you shoot a deer. Now I've never had this happen, but I've had people tell me the minute I shot that deer and the minute it hit the ground, three black bears came strolling by. Huh. Three. You know, and it's. You know, I love them. I, I, you know, I'll never hunt a black bear. I, I, I had an experience with a black bear when I was a young man, and uh, I just decided, you know what? They're just, I'm just not going to hunt a black bear. But I, that doesn't mean I want to be one on one with them in the woods, you know, holding hands and singing songs. I want them to stay away from me. Yeah, sure. You know, and 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 them things that you'll be sitting in your tree stand, and if you put out some dough and heat stuff, you're not going to attract a buck. Here comes that bear. He wants to smell of it. Huh? That's interesting. And yeah. and and you've told me, and I've, I think I've heard this before, that that Florida doesn't actually have a bear season. No, they had they had one bear season and uh, one one hunt, I should say, that lasted two days, and they 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 hit their target number as far as how many bears they want to take out of the system, and uh, that's conservation. All right, we're we're getting into another. They want they want to have a legitimate. Uh, the state, when I say they, want to have a legitimate argument that we're working towards conservation when it comes to our our bear management. We don't want to manage our bears on the highway. We want to to manage them where we can benefit them later, and that only comes through dollars. Right. And uh, I I credit them for that because there's a lot of people here in Florida that that don't think that bear hunting is, is wise. And I'm not one of those. I won't hunt a black bear, but I'm not opposed to it. You know, if if they if they want to have a black bear hunt, I'll I'll buy a tag. Right. But I won't black bear. I bought a tag the last time, and I never went. I never went out hunting for one. And they they killed 350 bears in in two days. So that tells wow. you a little something about you know the. And they charged a hundred dollars a tag, and they sold 3,500 3, tags. So that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of jack. That's a lot of jack, man. For, yeah. for bear conservation. That's yeah. great, and that's but, you know, and that's that is that is something that I wish, I wish it could be talked about on other mediums other than this. You know, everybody listening to this podcast right now knows this. They know right. they know that there has been no truer statement than that hunting is conservation. Like it exactly. just is. You can't argue it. The facts are there, um, but but it's not really being talked about outside of that. And typically it's not. Typically it's not. But you know, I, I'm I'm you're, you're Sam discovered me on Facebook, I suppose. It's on Facebook, and we hit up a, a conversation here and there. Yeah. But um, what 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 I promote is the 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 fair and legal use of public land. Now, for all of public land shortcomings, it has a lot of positive things because Very much. public land public land keeps. Is, is habitat for wildlife, mm-hmm. you know. And if if you're a hunter and I'm a hunter, and there's and there's a piece of public land near my home and I'm not using it, you're you're destroying. I don't want to say you're personally going out and destroying it, but you're you're destroying what preserves that land. You're not participating in in the system. You're not participating in the act of conservation on your local level. Mm-hmm. So if 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 I live in Georgia or Alabama, if I live in Georgia and there's a Flint River wildlife management area there, and I know it gets hunted a lot, and I don't ever bother hunting it, you know, and and I live here, and then I realize, you know, well, maybe I should try that. All of a sudden, you go out and you buy a tag, or you buy a management area stamp, and you become a participant in the management system where, okay, this land has value. What's its value? People are hunting it. People want to hunt it. And the Flint River Wildlife Management Area in Georgia, near where I hunt in Georgia, gets a lot of pressure. But every year they're killing 160-inch bucks mm-hmm. with bows. It's, it's archery only. 
you know? Yeah. And there's a couple of those Amish guys around there hunt that. And, uh, and I, 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 I can tell you that if, if you hunt, if you live near a wildlife management area, buy a stamp, buy yeah. a license, participate, even if you don't go, cause that's somebody notices those numbers somewhere. Right. And, and they'll, and, and the state, there's, there's a movement in our country that a lot of people don't know about, and that movement is to transfer our national lands, our national forests, over to states and let states take care of them. I'm not authority on this topic. I may make a mistake here and there, but I know this much, that this, the federal government cannot sell your land. It's right. your right. land. It's my land. It's our land. It's our birthright as Americans. To and, be allowed to, to be allowed to hunt on that land, and and I think that I think public land and and something that, you know, we talk about maybe maybe we don't talk about this enough because, I, it's not just because I can kill something on this public land, it's not just because it can benefit me. It, it benefits everyone, and here's why: it is one of the greatest pieces of evidence that we are a free country. Yes. Right? Because you tell me one other country that that has exactly. this system in place. There's not, and 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 it's actually kind of a foreign idea. That wait a minute. So there's land that everyone can go to. Yes. Yep. There's lots of it. There's lots yep. of it here. And, and and but but we're not we're not <laughs> we're not dabbling in any in anything that's not been um, not been already overstepped by the federal government at all and, and and hear me hear me out i am i'm a fan of government you know i i believe that it can do the right thing but that doesn't mean it always does and and the fact that it's even a conversation to get rid uh or not get rid but sell it off to the state and let the state yep. manage it that that is bad idea it, it's not a good idea and it, you know they may do a great job i've been to some very good state managed uh, wildlife management areas, they, they they might do great, but it's not about that. It's not because I want to see more deer and bigger deer. It's not that. It's that I want to see America and, and, and the I want to see the United States and Florida where you're at and Alabama where I'm at and Kentucky where I'm going to go this fall. I want to see those states um, continue to have the same freedom that, that our country was founded upon. And, yep. and, um, so yeah, that's kind of my spill on that. <laughs> the thing, the thing that I discovered about hunting public land, and this is this is getting back to my personality trait, is that when I go when I go up to Ocala or if I go over to Jumper Creek and I go turkey hunting or deer hunting, there is that element of discovery mm-hmm. that I don't get when I hunt on a lease. Okay, I'm 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 paying a farmer to let me hunt on his property, and it's nice, and there's game there, but what's beyond the tree line? I tell you what's on the tree line. There's a fence, and it says property line, no trespassing. Yeah. <laughs> but I have I have places here, there are no fences. I can walk until my feet hurt, and discover new and exciting places to hunt, mm. and make discoveries. You know, and then and then the sense of accomplishment. Like I touched on this earlier, when when you finally get one. You know, nobody's going to come in my house and ask me what did that deer score. You know, they're going to they're going to say, "Wow, man, you got that in Ocala," and that that you know, when you start hunting public land near your home, that's your land, and you participate in the the the, the conservation process of hunting and fishing, it, it 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 does something to you, man. It it really does, and. Turkey hunting too, you know. You go up there, and when I was a kid growing up here, I mean, kudos to the state of Florida. When I was a little boy growing up here, deer hunting up on Cal, there were no turkeys. Yeah, you didn't see any turkeys. And uh, I guess it was around late 1980 I saw my first turkey track up there. And uh, you read in that book, there's a there's an episode that I had in the Ocala National Forest while I was turkey hunting with a game warden where I accidentally almost shot him. <laughs> it's, it, it, and the, and the, the title in that particular chapter is I Nearly Shot a Game Warden, so you'll know which one it is. Yep, page 165, I Nearly and Shot a Game Warden. I Nearly Shot a Game Warden. It was alive, and, and you know I've seen that guy since then, 
and I've asked him, you know, and and the experience got noteworthy uh, attention from high up, and they they actually and and the the commissioner, the the chairman of the Florida commissioner commission called me from from uh, Tallahassee. I said, Mr. Updike, why don't you tell me what happened on your turkey hunt? You know, and and that meant so much to me to have that guy. And it, it was two 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 uh, months later, but he called nonetheless. And then he had the nerve to ask me, "Well, did you get your bird?" You know, and and I thought, <laughs> "Wow, that's just that's just great." You know, that he cared enough to call. And uh, so it, it's you know we have a tendency to focus on the bad things, but I wanna I wanna try and focus on the good things. The man, you know, did did what he could to try and make things right with me, and and realize they ruined my hunt and. You know, the game warden made a rookie mistake, and you know, and somebody needs to say something. You know, and I was encouraged to say something. Yeah. So, so that's what I did. <laughs> and you, you know, you you don't want to step on anyone's toes either. Sure. You know, you want to, you want to develop a relationship that says, "Hey, man, I nearly shot you, man. Maybe next time, you know, maybe you don't want to do that." You know. <laughs> so, so um, that title of that chapter, I nearly shot a game warden. That is like one of the. That's like I think in today's terms, we would call that clickbait. Um, <laughs> if I were going to try to make a YouTube video go viral, that would be a pretty good title for it. I nearly shot a game warden. Yeah, Southern well, Ground Vlog I, I number forty-five. I wasn't videotaping things then, but I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to a game warden. Sure, I, I got. I've got a lot of respect for those guys. I know Man. a couple of them here personally, and they're out there trying to do their job, and it's not an easy job. And you know what? Nobody likes them, really. I mean, you know, they they and down here in Florida, a game warden. He might as well be a beach police, you yeah. know, because the state asked him to go out and and arrest people for drinking beers while they're while they're driving, you know, their boats and stuff and such as that. And it's 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 not a good experience for them. Yeah. So they, they're doing they're doing their job. They and need a pat on the job. back, and then then that's and that's that's my position on that. Absolutely, man. And like I, said, I think if I were a game warden, the the first day that I was in Florida, I probably could have handed out. A handful of tickets just within that yep. first 30 minutes just, i mean and i don't even know all of the laws there and i was like yep yeah, there's no way that that nat- natty light in your hand is uh is gonna be <laughs> not yep. against the law cause... Yeah, there's 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 some of this kind of it's kind of gray area so yeah uh, usually usually if unless there's there's a you know a blatant disregard they're they're probably not gonna say anything you know, if that's, it's a gray area, they'll let it go. But you got, and then you got the guys to see all the time repeating, and then you know that's something got to be done. Right. But anyway, right. yeah, I, I love those guys. You know, give them all the respect in the world. Well, Peter, man, we're we're coming up on right at an hour of talking, and it does not seem that long. I think we could probably <laughs> sit and talk. I tell everybody, you know, going into a podcast, I say, you know, it's going to seem like we just started talking, and it's already yep. going to be time to hang up. But, uh, but man, I do appreciate this. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading this book and, uh, and kind of just hearing more about your life. And I, and I imagine now I have made it a goal to kill a deer in Florida before I die. Okay. Now that could be, you can do it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, um, and you hit me up when you come to Florida and I'll take you up to Ocala. We'll go hunt, man. I'm going to take, I'm going to take you up on that because, uh, You, would so you be, won't need a you won't need a quota permit for that, so you can go just any time. Fantastic! I'm looking forward to it, and I don't have any problem with black bears. Okay. Um, I, if it's good, if it listen, if it's good like YouTube content, then I'm all about it. I'll put my life yeah. on the line right there for that. Now we can do an archery hunt up there, and and you don't need a quota permit to do a muzzleloader hunt. So the archery hunt is September to October, and I think there's a four day muzzleloader hunt, and then the regular gun season goes from early November. All the way to the second week in January, I think. I think it goes to like the tenth or something. So you got a real long season. So when is when is your rut down there? Well, it all depends on who you ask. Okay, I understand that. <laughs> it, it's real strange because you can you can be you can be on this patch of ground and you'll see a buck chasing a doe and you'll think oh the rut is on and then somebody will cross the river will say well we haven't seen anything you know Mm -hmm. and it's it's i think i don't know it's i'm not going i'm just going to say that i don't that's the one question i do not have an answer well that's perfect that's (laughs) perfect well man i'm looking forward to it i'm going to be hitting you up and uh and hopefully our listeners can hear from you again whenever that happens we might have to sit down and do a podcast 
Yeah, anytime. You invite me anytime. I love, like I said, I love to be in the conversation. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into this week. As always, thank you to my buddy Peter Updike for coming on the show. I have really enjoyed this series. All of our guests have been absolutely incredible. And, uh, man, I just want to say thank you to all of them that have been here so far. That's Warren Womack, Jamie McKay, and Peter Updike, who you heard from this week. Thanks, guys, so much. We have got, man, I don't even know how many weeks are in July, but not very much left of this series. And uh, and I'm planning on being able to do one podcast, one episode at the very end, just kind of breaking down all of the key points that each one of these guys has made so it can all be in one place, kind of a hub for the Local Legends series. So hopefully we'll be able to get that put together. And, um, yep, that's going to be it for this week. Hopefully you guys are getting out into the woods, scouting, getting your stuff done, prepping trees, planting food plots, whatever it is. I hope you are safe. Um, Oh, snap. It's 4th of July weekend, so I know a lot of you are going to be off work maybe trying to catch some fish or like I said scouting whatever you're doing this weekend please be safe huge shout out to our partners at Onyx at Tethered and uh, that's going to be it this weekend if you are going to be outdoors remember that God gave us dominion over the birds of the air the fish of the sea and the beasts of the earth so go out and exercise that dominion we will talk to you next time